It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, so it wasn't Kirby's fault, a good Braves problem, sort of. And if you're not ready for plan A, have a plan B ready. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button as we're climbing towards 6,000 folks. Be a part of our community. Leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. Roku and Amazon Fire, yes, we are on those platforms as well. Check us out there and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So let's see. The narrative has always been when it came to Justin Fields and his time at the University of Georgia. Oh, Kirby didn't know how to handle him. Oh, Kirby didn't want a mobile quarterback. Oh, Kirby this and Kirby that. And, you know, when Justin Fields transferred out of Georgia, you know, he was trying to get the immediate waiver, right? So he didn't have to set out a year. This is before that there were, you know, rules in place that you could transfer, but he didn't want to sit out a year. And they used the line of his attorney about unsafe conditions and, fearing for his safety and there was supposedly a racial slur uttered by a baseball player. Well, huh? So, uh, Justin Fields was on the pardon my take podcast yesterday. And I guess it was yesterday or whatever here recently. And he had this to say on their podcast. And and this is what, what is the pardon my take? It's, it's bar back or step stool or something like that, you know, with these guys on here. Quote, quote, make sure we understand. I was going to stay at Georgia, but Ohio State boosters were offering me bags of cash to transfer. I'm talking three, four hundred grand in cash plus a Benz. And this was before NIL. Back then, O State pay more than any SEC school, Ryan Day, a boss. Huh. Wow. So let's see here. Hmm. So let's see. Like everything else in life, as we say in the wrestling business, everything comes down to cash and creative, right? The two C's, cash, creative. It's one of those two things at the end of the day. So Justin Fields, in his own words, Talked about staying at Georgia, but then he got offers for bags of money and all this. And look, I'm not mad at Justin Fields for taking the cash and going to Ohio State and all these other things. I'm I'm not mad at Justin Fields at all. Hey, man, you got to go get yours, whether it was the NIL era or not. 
And, and this is the way business has always been done. But let's understand that too. This is how business has always been done in the entire thousand-year history of collegiate athletics. But, but the narrative, oh, Kirby didn't know how to use them. Kirby didn't want them. Kirby didn't want a mobile quarterback. Oh, unsafe conditions. It's like Shawn Michaels saying in 1995, unsafe working conditions. No, we know now because it came out of Justin Fields' own mouth that the reason he transferred is for the BBD, the bigger, better deal. And he got cash and he was able to go there. Again, that's, you know, look, it's all of these, it's all of these things that, you know, uh, Justin Fields, and, and and there's a lot of tie-ins to, you know, the Atlanta Falcons and, and things like that, right? We're, we're here and Justin Fields is on the trade. Justin Fields is going to be a Chicago Bear. At the end of the day, this is all going to be Justin Fields is going to stay in Chicago. He's going to be there. He's going to be their quarterback. Just like Lamar Jackson at the end of the day is most likely going to stay in uh, stay in uh, Baltimore and be there. I, I, the Falcons are not going to get in the business. I don't believe of getting any of these guys. Right? I, I, I think that they're going to stay with the plan of Desmond Ritter at the end of the day. But this idea that you know the Falcons are going to trade for Lamar, trade for Justin Fields and everything else along with it. That that all of these things are going to be trade possibilities. At the end of the day, these guys don't go places. Jason LaConfora put out a tweet yesterday that said that he heard from a general manager that Justin Fields could be on the move. Why would the Bears get rid of Justin Fields? They traded up to get him. They, they traded up to go get Justin Fields. And, you know, year three is a lot of times when these quarterbacks take off. But why would the Bears get rid of Justin Fields? Why would, he, why, why would the Bears get rid of him at this point? When you, you saw Jalen Hurts take off in year three, Kyle Allen take off in year three, or Josh Allen, I should say, take off in year three. And why would the, if, if the Bears traded up to go get him, why after two years would you be willing to get rid of your quarterback? I, that doesn't make any sense. But all these things just, there's, there's so much of this nonsense that gets thrown around about why things happen, why things are the way that they are, why why things happen, why guys are going to move. It's all a lot of Michigas, right? This is if you tie it into locally here in Atlanta to the uh, John Collins uh, trade rumors, right? We've heard for years that the blue checkmark media has told us that he was going to be moved. I was at the Hawks draft party. He was going to be moved that night. He's going to be moved here. Then he's going to be moved there. All of these guys talk all of this kind of stuff about all this nonsense and things like that, right? And, and all of it is a lot of nonsense at the end of the day. 
whether why guys are going to move, why they're going to go off on different things, why they're going to be with different teams, and then nothing happens to it. Nothing happens with all of it. So, look, Justin Fields will be a Bear. Lamar Jackson will be a Baltimore Raven. Kirby's not a nut job. All of this stuff that these narratives that get floated all around. Look, Urban Meyer's last gift that he left Ryan Day, because Urban Meyer stepped down at the, you know, he announced at the Big Ten Championship game that he was stepping down in 2018 after he coached the Rose Bowl, and he was given Ryan Day, and, and they they made a deal that they got Justin Fields in there, and he gave a, one last parting gift to Ryan Day. He was the quarterback in Ryan Day's first year. All of this stuff is just a lot of nonsense that you hear from all of these people and all of these guys, and at the end of the day, nothing ever comes from any of it. It all is just a bunch of Michigas, bull, and malarkey, and that's not a law firm. I want to talk about my friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel.com is the number one sports book in America. We are here at the All-Star break for the NBA. You want to get in on the action in the second half of the NBA season. Well, take advantage of FanDuel.com and get the no-sweat first bet where you can get up to as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to point scores to props, everything else. And when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you can get the no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets simply if your first bet doesn't win by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I had Grant McCulley on my show last night, and he was talking about the idea of, you know, we were talking about the the pitching staff and obviously no Wright, Frieder, Strider, and Charlie Morton, right? We know those four guys. Then he was talking about the idea of, you know, listen, it's going to be a competition between Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, maybe Bryce Elder, whatever like that, for that fifth spot. And I said to him, I said, would they go to a six-man rotation? Would they use more guys? And he said, probably not, that, that there'll be probably a clear winner with all of these guys. But the idea of that guys always get hurt, things happen, right? You need more starting pitching, okay? But I thought what was interesting that he said is, I said, well, what's going to happen to the guy who, for lack of a better term, is the loser in this race? If it's Soroka or Ian Anderson, whoever it ends up being is the fifth starter. If they're truly going to go with one guy and not necessarily expand out to six, what's going to happen to the other guy? And he said probably most likely that would they, they would be, make some starts down in Gwinnett. And I was thinking to myself, now look at the look at the two main guys that are fighting for this fifth spot. Ian Anderson was a key cog in the Braves World Series run a couple of years ago, right? He may have been their best starting pitcher in the playoffs that year. Think about a few years ago that Mike Soroka 
was arguably the one or two best pitchers in the National League. And and we go back to that St. Louis series where he should have, uh, Snicker should have started Soroka. But he was arguably one of the two or best pitchers. And then obviously injuries and things like that happen. Are those guys going to be okay with the idea of they find themselves down in Gwinnett to start the year? I mean, you've got two really accomplished pitchers. And before you talk about the idea of they're going to the bullpen, neither one of those guys has ever pitched out of the bullpen. Ian Anderson, every game that he's ever pitched has been as a starter. Mike Soroka, every game he's ever pitched as a starter. So I don't think you'll convert either one of those guys to being in the bullpen, that you'll send those guys, you know, to the pen if they don't, if if somebody wins the, you know, if it's Ian Anderson wins the fifth spot, Soroka's not going to the pen and vice versa. So are those guys going to be okay with the idea of they're going to be in Gwinnett to start the season? And I know Soroka's coming back from injury. I know Anderson's coming back from injury. I, I, I understand all that part of it. But the mentality of those guys were at high levels for a championship team, or in Soroka's case, a, a you know he was the ace of their staff just a couple of seasons ago. So once you get past some of the injuries, and obviously these guys have had a you know off season to work out, and they'll have spring and everything like that, and we have a normal spring training this year, right? We're not having the condensed schedule and all those kinds of things. It. it are those guys going to be all right with the idea of somebody's going to end up starting in Gwinnett? More than just the injury aspect of it. More than just the idea of one of those guys is, you know, or, or they're they're come they're both coming back from injury, so it makes sense for those guys to get some innings and get some, you know, reps and things like that and get some starts down in Gwinnett. And and maybe by the time Let's say if Soroka goes down to Gwinnett and and he starts pitching down there, you know, maybe at that point, somebody either gets hurt or whatever, or, or somebody struggles or whatever like that. And they bring Soroka up. God forbid that somebody would get, you know, an injury, but things happen, right? You, you always have to have more starting pitching and things like that. But I just wonder from the mindset of those two guys, because we're not talking about two guys that are just barely hanging on in major league baseball we're talking about one of the best pitchers in the postseason from a championship team a couple of years ago and mike soroka was one of the young up-and-coming starters i think he finished second or third in the e in the league in era that year where they played st louis in the playoffs and he had the best adjusted era in major league baseball so these are not two ham and eggers and things like that but it's a good problem to have that you have so many guys who can start. But the mentality of pitchers, not saying that they're going to one out, not saying that they're going to want to be traded, not saying that they're going to, you know, ask for, you know, them to be released or anything like that with the Braves. Because again, there'll be plenty of probably opportunity when, when somebody gets hurt or they need a six starter at some point or whatever. But that's a tough thing for either one of those guys to be told if you're going down to Gwinnett and, and in talking to Grant, that that's may, that may be what ends up happening with either of those guys. So I don't know. I, you know, it would be interesting to see one, 
who wins that fifth starter job because your fifth starter is not the guy that you know normally wins you the World Series or things like that. That'll be on Freed, Wright, Morton, Strider, right? Those those guys. You know, Wright was a 20-game winner last year. Max Freed's the best left-hander in baseball. Strider was arguably the one or two best rookies in all of baseball. That that's where that's where the bulk of of where they lean on comes from. But you've got two guys that have been experienced, have had success at the major league level. And if you're telling one of those guys that they're going to start their year off in Gwinnett, wonder how that's going to react because neither of those guys is going to be in the bullpen. Neither guy, neither other guys never pitched a single solitary game out of the bullpen. It's going to be interesting to see who wins that job. And then at the end of the day, who ends up, who ends up starting in Gwinnett? Who ends up starting down there? And and how quickly do how how quickly if Anderson's pitching well in Gwinnett or if Soroka's pitching well in Gwinnett, how quickly will they call one of those guys back up if that in if, if that in fact is what happens? I wouldn't mind seeing at the beginning of the year when guys are trying to get adjusted. I wouldn't mind seeing a six starter and having all of those guys pitch and especially to get them big league action. Yes. You know, unless somebody has a setback and an injury, getting those guys action at the major league level. That's what I would like to see. I wouldn't mind seeing if they have to use six guys or if they have to rotate their, their back end of their rotation that I wouldn't mind seeing those guys up there, but it will be an interesting thing to watch and see if one of those guys is sent down, what the mentality is of either one of those guys, because that's definitely a, a, a definite step back for either of those guys, given the success they've had at the major league level. I want to talk about my friends over at built bar. Listen, built.com is the place to go. We're looking for, you know, your snacks that are low sugar, low carb, low calorie, but high protein, right? New you, trying to get in shape, different things like that, okay? Go to Built.com today. Check out their wide menu of all their different flavors out there and get you a box of Built Bars. Now, you can also now go to the pharmacy section of Walmart or you can go to Sam's Club and get your box of Built Bars as well. Same great taste, same great flavors, same great 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. Try the marshmallow puffs if you want something for a little different taste and texture. But now you can go either to built.com or you can go the brick and mortar route where you go to Walmart or you can go to Sam's Club and check them out there. They got all the different flavors that you want, all the same great flavors, all the same great product lines, but now available in the brick and mortar sections of Walmart at the pharmacy or going to Sam's Club or go the traditional route to built.com. We're looking for those snacks out there to get healthier. Go to built.com today and check them all out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
So one of the guys that we've talked about here on the show for the Atlanta Falcons that I certainly want to bring back is Caleb McGarry. And, you know, he was listed on Pro Football Focus as the Falcons' most improved player, right? So no doubt about it. He had a a monster grade. His run-blocking grade among among all tackles in the NFL was second only to uh, Trent Williams, who's literally the best left tackle in in the NFL. His run-blocking grade was second only to Trent Williams, and he certainly had big improvements. Now, he still is a guy that struggles in pass protection, okay? But if you get a guy in the run-blocking game, you get him locked up with a defender. He can move that guy around and, and do what he wants with him. But the same profile that was on Caleb McGarry coming out of college was speed guys or guys with that quick first step will get around him in, in pass protection. And that's held true, okay? Now, the franchise tag number, okay? If the Falcons wanted to go the franchise tag route to keep McGarry around, is 18.125 million. 18 million for for the tackle spot as the franchise tag in the NFL. Here's the thing. Okay? I want Caleb McGarry to stay an Atlanta Falcon. I think he fits in the system. You don't have to go out and find another guy and this that and the other. But I'm not taking Caleb McGarry as an $18 million uh, franchise tag hit. And I'm not giving Caleb McGarry five or six years because he's had one good year in four. He's played really well this past season, but that's the first time he's played well. I think it was like a 86 grade or whatever like that in pro football focus, where it was like a 62 grade the season before. So he's had one good year of, of football. And it's coming his walk year, essentially, okay? If they can't get a deal done that is, I don't want to say team-friendly, but certainly not 16 or $18 million a year, if it's not for the right number and it's not for the right years and, and you're not going to franchise tag him, then I think you have to be willing to let Caleb McGarry walk. And if that means spending the eighth pick on, say, like Paris Johnson, the tackle out of Ohio State, if you have to go that route, then be prepared to do that. I like Caleb McGarry. I've said Rashawn Evans, Caleb McGarry, the two probably biggest free agents that I want the Falcons to bring back. And I certainly want them back in the mix. And I certainly want McGarry helping to anchor that line. If we're going to be a run first team, and we were the only team in the NFL that had a majority run plays. They called more a higher percentage of run plays than pass plays. If we're going to be that kind of offense, then I like Caleb McGarry, and I think he can build off of what last year was. Maybe he takes a step back. Maybe as they start to throw the ball a little bit more, he might get a little bit more exposed, right? They become a little bit more balanced on offense. But that's why I don't want to franchise him. That's why I don't want big money to him. And that's why I don't want him to do a five or six year kind of deal where you backload it. And yes, you know, you can get cap relief and all that kind of stuff. Make a deal that makes sense. But 
if you can't get a reasonable deal done with McGarry, and he's going to have some suitors on the open market, and, and maybe the Falcons would be wise to get him locked up sooner rather than later, but he's going to have some suitors on the open market because you look at, okay, first round pick, he finally figured it out and this, that, and the other, and all that good stuff. He's going to have some suitors. But if you can't get the deal done, then you can't be afraid to go grab a Paris Johnson or go grab a first-round tackle if that's what you need. I know it may not be best available player. I know that the Falcons' way under this regime is to go get you know, draft picks that are middle-round guys that they can coach up. Well, how's that worked out for Dolman or Hennessy? How'd it work out for Jalen Mayfield? You know, just like we talked about last week or whatever on the show, 70% of the active sack leaders are first round picks, right? You find the best caliber players. And for a team that is so reliant on their run game and for a team that, you know, honestly, their real strength is their offensive line right now. I don't want to do anything that jeopardize that. I don't want to put some scafozo out at right tackle just because we can't work out a deal with McGarry. If you have to spend high capital, as much as I want a defensive end or a defensive, you know, edge player or whatever at the number eight pick, I'll take a tackle. I'll, I'll take a, an offensive lineman. If it's Paris Johnson, Skaronsky from Northwestern, I'll take one of those guys if I have to. Now, that may not be the way that the Falcons build their offensive line under this regime, you know, McGarry, Lindstrom, Matthews are all first-round picks, but that was the last regime. That was the Thomas Dimitrov regime. This regime hasn't showed you that they are going to pony up when it comes to their offensive line. Not from a money perspective, but from a draft capital perspective. But the worst thing that this team could do would be to take away from what their real big strength is, to take away from where they are best, and that is their offensive line. It was a top five or six offensive line grade-wise in the NFL last year. They were an outstanding run-blocking line. I don't want to do anything that upsets the apple cart with that. If that means signing McGarry, good. But it's got to be at the number that the Falcons want, or at least what I want, because I'm not going to franchise them $18 million. That's that's way too rich for Caleb McGarry. And I don't want him to, and look, he's not going to take a, a team-friendly kind of deal. But if you can't figure out a proper number from a money perspective, guaranteed perspective, number of years perspective, without using the franchise tag on him, then I hope the Falcons are prepared to go top of the draft and get them another offensive lineman. Do I think that that will happen? Do I do I think at the end of the day, I think that they will come up with a deal for Caleb McGarry and, and bring him back. But I do have concerns that they're going to overpay for Caleb McGarry. And I do have concerns that if they don't pick up Caleb McGarry, that they're not going to either go on the free agent market and get themselves a quality tackle or invest high draft capital in an offensive lineman. That hasn't really happened so far. You know, we haven't had high draft capital. Third and fourth round picks has been where this regime is picked. And 
when we talk about guys, one-year deals and just minimal kinds of money, the Elijah Wilkinsons, um, the Jermaine Effetti's, people like that. We haven't had to spend real money on an offensive lineman yet. This will be a real good test to see where the Falcons are going to prioritize their money and what they're willing to do, but have a backup plan in place when all of this happens. And if that means you've got to draft an offensive lineman at eight, then be willing to do it. I would thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make Locked On Sports Atlanta today, or sorry, Locked On Sports today, your second listen, biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get all of your favorites from, uh, or I should say Apple Podcasts, wherever you get all of your favorites from. And then Roku and Amazon Fire, we are available there as well. Check us out on those platforms. And then give me a follow at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll be back with you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.